The scripture reading for this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Please stand for the reading of God's word. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, it's tempting to say we live in an age when the reason why God gave pastors is no longer appreciated. After all, the phrase celebrity pastor is a thing, right? The internet makes it almost, uh, well, makes it possible for almost every pastor to be accessible, at least in terms of their teaching ministry, and there are always better preachers out there. Since the 70s or 80s, there's been this, you know, additional pressure on pastors to be experts in organizational leadership. But why did God give pastors? Back in Paul's day, the closest thing to the internet was the Roman road. But there were still false notions about celebrity pastors. Go read 1 Corinthians for more on that. So, So even back then in Paul's day, the purpose of pastors could get lost in the noise. So Paul wrote Ephesians 4. We have verses 11 through 16 to be reminded why God gave pastors. And an ordination service like we're celebrating today is a perfect time to go back and be reminded ourselves as well. There's three things we're going to look at briefly before we move on to the ordination. First, the gifts. Second, the goal. And third, the glory. The gifts, the goal, the glory. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we are thankful for your provision of pastors. And not just pastors, but elders, deacons, Lord, all those whom you call to office in your church. Lord, we pray that we all together would be faithful in hearing your word, responding to your word, utilizing the gifts that you have given us to build up your church, that your name might be glorified in all things. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, the gifts. And I'm actually going to go back and I'm going to read uh, three verses that weren't read as part of the scripture reading this morning. Verses 7 through 10 of Ephesians 4. So if you have your Bibles, open. It's there. If not, just listen. Paul writes, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. All right, so Jesus is the one who gives gifts to his church. Paul there is quoting from Psalm 68. 
he's envisioning back in David's day. Whenever a king would conquer a people, he would return back into his, you know, the, his, his area, to, the, to his throne. Ultimately, it was where he was making his way. He would be leading captives in his train, just like the train of his, his long robe. He would make his ascension back up to his throne, and then he would distribute some of the gifts, some of the, some of the bounty from his uh, conquest to his people. Paul has that in mind as he writes that passage in Ephesians 4, 7 through 10, pulling out Psalm 68. He knows that the ultimate battle was Jesus's battle, his victory over his and our spiritual enemy at the cross. He refers to that in Colossians chapter 2, where Paul says that Jesus triumphed over the spiritual forces of darkness at the cross. There is where Jesus won this victory. And then with Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven, he was leading captives in his train, the, the spiritual enemies of his. And then having ascended, taking his place at the right hand of the Father, he distributed gifts to his people. What are the gifts? Well, we talked a couple of weeks ago about spiritual gifts. The Lord gives spiritual gifts to every believer. If you're a Christian, you have at least one gift that has been given to you by God for building up the church. Spiritual gift, let me just remind us of our definition from a couple weeks ago. A spiritual gift is an ability and desire for ministry given by God for regular and fruitful use to build up the church. Spiritual gift is an ability and desire for ministry given by God for regular and fruitful use to build up the church. I listed a number of places in scripture. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that sermon from a couple weeks ago. The thing I want us to notice is that here in verse 11, the gifts are people. The gifts that Jesus gives to his church are people. There are five mentioned in verse 11 or four, depending on how you read it in the Greek. Let me go back and read verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Notice that all of those are speaking gifts. They all have to do with some kind of proclaiming of the word of God to people. Now, we don't have time this morning to get into what does Paul mean by apostles and prophets and evangelists. We're going to focus on, this morning, pastors or shepherds and teachers. Now, I said it could be four or five, depending on how you read it. The word that's translated shepherds in your ESV Bible, if you have the ESV, is also the word that's translated pastors. And the, the words that are joined together, pastor and teacher, because of the kind of conjunction that Paul uses, it could be that he's saying pastor teachers, or it could be that he's saying pastors and teachers. Whichever way you read it, the point is this. God gave shepherds, pastors, Men, in order to teach and counsel the word of God, in order to care for the flock of God, the church, and their gifts of God's grace to his people. Implication, Eric and I are gifts of God's grace to you. Now, that sounds incredibly presumptuous until you remember that whenever you receive a gift, who do you give thanks to? The giver, right? Kids, kids, okay. How many of you are excited about Christmas? It's coming. Raise your hand. Hey, thank you. I've got some kids that are clearly kids in heart, right? 
We are excited about Christmas. Now, think back to your favorite gift that you got at some point. You know, you opened that gift and you looked at it. And let me ask you, kids and kids at heart, did you look at that gift and say, thank you so much, gift? I'm so thankful for you, gift. You're an amazing gift. You've done a great thing for me, gift, by giving me yourself. No, we, we, think, the, we think the giver. Right? We look at mom or dad or grandpa or grandma or aunt or uncle or whoever, and we say, thank you. For this gift, it means so much to me. Now, parents, other adults, if you've got nieces, nephews, you know, grandkids, think about gifts that your kids have given you. I've got gifts in my office my kids, you know, made for me when, I, when they were little. And I love them. In, in the world's eyes, they're not of great worth, right? They're not particularly high tech or expert craftsmanship, but they're from my kids to me as an expression of their love for me. And so I treasure them. So too, pastors. Pastors aren't much in the eyes of the world. That's okay. And pastors aren't much, at least this guy and me, when it, you know, when it comes to other pastors in the world. And that's okay, too. But Eric and I and every pastor is a gift from the Lord to the church that they serve because God loves his church. He loves to give good gifts to his church. And among his gifts are pastors. Pastors are gifts from the Lord. Not so we'll make much of them, but so we'll make much of him. Second, the goal. There's a proximate goal for pastors in this passage, and there's an ultimate goal that we all share. Let's look at the proximate goal for pastors. It's right there in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. God gave pastors to activate, not abrogate the gifts, to support, not supplant the church, to train, not take over the work of ministry. Why? Because Jesus is building his church through his people. Listen, this will never fail to cause me to go, really? The fact that Jesus... The king of heaven, the one who is building his church, which carries the message of the gospel, which is the hope of the world, he's using deeply flawed people for that building project. It just blows my mind. But we're all called to be part of that building project. Jesus is building something here at Grace Church. He's building something around the world that will endure until he returns. And he's using, you know... (laughs) Nobody goes and buys the kind of hammer at Home Depot that is equivalent to what Jesus uses to build his church. And yet that's what he does. Why? Of course, so he'll get the glory and not us. And yet he does. He brings together in every church a diversity of people, of ages, of experiences, of gifts. We have an essential unity because we're all one in Christ through faith in him and consequently one with another. And we are meant to function with our gifts in harmony. If you're a Christian, you're called to be part of a body. And if this is your church home, you're called to be part of this body. You have an obligation to the body as a whole. Christ commands it. 
and we're called to it. This body cannot function without you using the gifts that God has given you. So when it comes to Eric's call, in addition to being part of the the preaching team, because pastors teach, and in addition to sharing part of the shepherding load, because all of the elders, myself as well, have a shepherding list. We, We divide up the flock in that way to pay special attention to those. Eric is called to build and oversee our discipleship teams. We're not calling him to do the work of discipleship. We're calling him to identify, activate, support, encourage, train, build up, oversee those who are called to do the work of discipleship in the church. I am not saying, therefore, when Eric comes to you and says, hey, would you pray about this? I'm not saying give him an automatic yes. But I am saying be open to explore that maybe God has gifted you to participate in this particular work of Grace Church. So that's a, the that's approximate goal for pastors, to, to equip the saints. There's an ultimate goal that we all, pastors, congregation alike, share in, and that is seen in the second half of verse 12 and verse 13. So I'll read it for us. Equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All right, what a wonder. I mean, Paul is just piling on phrases here to get at a point until we all look more like Jesus. And so in our life together, we reflect more of the reality of who he is. His love for the Father, there's some evidence of that being demonstrated in our love for one another. Jesus' commitment to, to, to preach the truth, to speak the truth, to live the truth. To, in fact, it's interesting when, when Paul says later in the passage, speaking the truth in love, the word speaking isn't actually there. It's just truthing, the truth in love. Or truthing in love. To be a, a truthing people who, whether we're speaking or serving or whatever we're doing, we're doing so in love. That's what Paul is saying. He, Jesus is using each one of us in order to accomplish that purpose in every local church. And so we all look more like Jesus. That's the ultimate goal that we all share in. In this place, in this time, here we are, Rochester, New York. The year of our Lord, 2023, for a season until we die or move away or Jesus comes back, we have this time to be used by God together to use our gifts to build up Grace Church so that together we look more like Jesus, the one who the world desperately needs. Pastors are gifts from the Lord, given with the goal to equip the saints, for the building up of the church, all to the glory of God. This is our third point. All to the glory of God. Please look again at the one who is building the church. Look at verses 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Not Mark, not Eric, not the elders, Not the Pope in Rome. Jesus is the head of the church. So again, let me come back. Verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus is the one who is building his church. He's the one who is the head. He is the one from whom the whole body grows. You may be tempted at times to glorify your pastors, especially when a a pastor, whether it's here or elsewhere, has been a particular help to you during a very dark season in your life. Or you may be tempted to glorify a pastor because the church is growing. Don't. Don't. Remember who it is that is building the church. Remember who loves you so much that he gave pastors. Remember, we are fallible, and we will let you down again, because we have already. But remember, Jesus will never, ever, ever fail you. He will never let you down. He is the good shepherd, and he alone. The glory goes to God and not to man. So let's wrap up. Paul says in verse 13, we are to do this until, until we all attain to the unity of the flesh. Let me ask uh, of the spirit. Let, Let me ask you of the truth. Whatever. I'm not looking at it. I can't remember. Anyway, when is that going to happen in your life? Not this side of glory. When is that going to happen in the life of Grace Church? Hear me now. Never. Because when Jesus comes back, if by God's grace, Grace Church has endured to that day, Grace Church as Grace Church will no longer exist. We'll be enfolded into that glorious company of saints that is the church of Jesus Christ, triumphant. But we're to keep building until, until Christ has finished his work in his church on earth. The building project will be completed only when the head of the church, the builder and architect, Jesus, returns. Until then, we labor. Until then, we labor. Until then, my fellow elders, we labor. Uh, At our session meeting this past week, and then again when Eric and I were meeting one-on-one during the week, I, I, I reminded us of Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Jesus Christ is building the house that is his church. We, your elders, your pastors, please remember we are just a few in a long line of laborers in Christ's church that have been building since Jesus ascended into heaven. And just one, a few, among a line of, who, of those who will build until Jesus Christ returns. But Eric, your labor in the Lord will not be in vain, because that is Christ's promise to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this day because it is your day. It is the day that we come and worship you as your church, where we receive all the gifts that you give us. They are meant to glorify you and lead to great good and among your people, and ultimately that the world might know that you, Lord Jesus, are the very Son of God. Those gifts include pastors. 
And so we thank you for them as well. And we pray that all of us together as your body here on earth would worship and serve you until the day that you come back or call us home. And on that day, by your grace and your grace alone, be found faithful. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.